Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Karen, thank you. It's 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 73 degrees in Central Park. Already dealing with an accident that will affect the ride to JFK, southbound Van Wick at Hillside Avenue. We'll tell you more in traffic. First, Michael Barr is back with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. More people are being infected by the monkeypox virus in the U.S. So far, there are almost 2,900 known cases and no deaths. During an event at Harlem Hospital, New York City Mayor Eric Adams notes that most of the state's current 900 cases come from New York City, and they need additional resources from the federal government to help slow the spread. Almost 90% of the cases in this state is in New York City. And so this is, once again, we were the the epicenter again. Last week, the WHO proclaimed the spread of monkeypox a global emergency. The disease spreads primarily through skin-to-skin contact or direct contact with the virus. Officials say New York's MTA may not regain 100% of pre-pandemic ridership until about 2035. Ridership on New York City subways, buses, and commuter rail lines is projected to reach 74% of 2019 levels in late 2024. That's down from a prior forecast of 86. The authority needs riders to return to bolster its finances. The back and forth on whether U.S. Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi is going to visit Taiwan has China angry. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter reports. Beijing has issued its strongest statement yet regarding the proposed visit, saying the U.S. should be ready to face the consequences. So Richard Haas of the Council on Foreign Relations on Bloomberg says it is time for the globe to figure out plans and responses. Which means taking military preparations ourselves, strengthening Taiwan, continuing to work more closely with Japan, organizing Europe about what sanctions would be put in place if China ever moved against Taiwan. Haas says at some point there will be a confrontation between China and the U.S. regarding Taiwan. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. There is another development in the investigation into the January 6th rioting on Capitol Hill. Mark Short, the former chief of staff to Vice President Mike Pence, has been subpoenaed by DOJ prosecutors. Short has also appeared before a federal grand jury. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg Nathan. All right, Michael, thank you. 509 on Wall Street, time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stanshower. All right, good morning, Nathan. The Subway Series always about bragging rights, but the one that starts tonight at City Field has another billing, possible World Series preview. Both teams have been in first place basically all season, although the Mets lead. Once 10.5 games is down to two, the Mets did get some help last night from the Phillies. Bryson Stott, in particular, his three-run homer gave the Phils 6-4 win over Atlanta. Yankees lead the AL East by 12 and a half games. Their concern is finishing ahead of Houston for 
best overall record Astros had their five-game winning streak stopped in Oakland, so the Yanks are two games ahead. Starting pitchers tonight, Jordan Montgomery for the Yanks, Taiwan Walker for the Mets, and Aaron Judge is excited. Uh, just the fans getting into it. It's always a packed playoff atmosphere. Um, always back and forth. You never know what's going to happen. Um, and it's a competition. You know, they got a great pitching staff, great offense over there. You know, so do we. So, you know, looking forward to see what happens. Judge 37 home runs, seven more than anyone in baseball. He has 81 RBIs. The only player with more is Pete Alonso. He has 82. Details emerging about trade talks between the Nets and Celtics involving Kevin Durant. Reported the Celts offered to Brooklyn Jalen Brown, Derek White, and a first-round pick. And the Nets wanted Brown and Marcus Smart and multiple picks. And the Celtics said no. No secret, the Knicks trying to acquire Donovan Mitchell from Utah. Now there's word that Washington, Charlotte, and Sacramento are all talking to the Jazz as well. Knicks also said to be one of a few teams that have spoken with the Lakers about acquiring Russell Westbrook. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thank you. S&P futures down eight points now. Dow futures down 110. NASDAQ futures lower by 31 points ahead of the start of the two-day Federal Reserve July policy meeting. Ten-year Treasury up 6.30 seconds. The yield 2.77%. Yield on the two-year 3.01%. Just ahead, former President Trump's return to Washington, D.C. We check in with Bloomberg Washington correspondent Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, partly sunny, less humid for a change today. Highs in the mid-80s. Chance for afternoon showers and thunderstorms tomorrow, though, as we get back to near 90 tomorrow and the next day. Right now, 73 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. European stocks are higher. U.S. stock index futures are lower amid caution in global markets ahead of the Federal Reserve interest rate hike. European energy and mining stocks are rallying with oil and metals, while retailers and banks fall after disappointing reports from Walmart and UBS Group. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down 10 points. Dow futures down 119. NASDAQ futures down 36. The DAX in Germany is down three-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up. 4.30 seconds, yield 2.77%. The yield on the two-year, 3.01%. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.8% of $1.77 at $98.45 a barrel. COMEX gold is up a tenth of a percent of $1.50 at $17.38.60 an ounce. The euro is at 1.02 against the dollar. British pound 1.2024. And the yen is at 136.57. Looking at Bitcoin, it's down almost 5% at $21,080. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Former President Donald Trump will return to Washington today for the first time since leaving office. Trump will address the America First Policy Institute's two-day summit. He's expected to announce a 2024 White House campaign. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's staff and security officials aren't ruling out plans for her to visit Taiwan in early August. The possible trip has already stoked more U.S.-China tensions. In baseball, the Red Sox beat the Guardians 3-1. The Orioles down the Rays 5-1. The Nationals beat the Dodgers 4-1. The A's down the Astros 7-5. 
Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg, Nathan. All right, Michael, thank you. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Let's pick up on Michael's top story there. Former President Donald Trump returning to Washington, D.C. for the first time since the chaotic end to his presidency. Let's bring in Joe Matthew, our Washington correspondent, host of Sound On here on Bloomberg. Radio. Joe, good morning. Let's set this thing up. Are we expecting a 2024 announcement from the former president today? Well, no, we're not. Uh, that, you know, has been floated as an idea that he'd just say, you know, I'm going for it. We're going to announce here. But it's not expected to happen. We will likely get the same Trump speech that we tend to get. It was in Arizona last weekend in South Carolina uh, and so forth before that. But the fact of the matter is, if he announced his campaign right now, It would not only telegraph his plans to a lot of other Republicans who are thinking about running, give them a chance to kind of organize, but it would also trigger federal election laws. It would make his life a lot more difficult when it comes to raising money. So there's really little incentive to do so. And it would also potentially affect the uh, midterm races as well as Mm -hmm. the Republican Party is trying, and uh, you talk to most analysts, expected to take over control of at least one House of Congress. Yeah, that's why we're hearing from a lot of Republicans, you know, hey, just give it a couple months. Uh, we need to get through the midterm election cycle here. You've got the January 6th hearing still percolating. They're not even done yet. And, you know, come September, we expect likely more. Uh, also, you know, Donald Trump's endorsements have been mixed. He hasn't had the perfect record that uh, that he would hope to have had in the midterm elections. And some Republican candidates will not appear with him on stage, as we saw with Glenn Youngkin, for instance, when he was running for governor in Virginia. That became uh, kind of a recipe for success, you know, Tout the Trump policies, but don't do, have him make ads for you. Don't do rallies with him. And that's going to be the case for at least some Republicans. So waiting until uh, we get through November would certainly keep things a little more simple for the party. And to that point, Joe, about keeping the talk toward policy, the president or the former president is going to be speaking today to the America First Policy Institute. So yeah. are we expecting a policy speech from the former president? <laughs> well, and if extent, so, what kind of policy could he be putting forward? Well, you'll hear about the border. Uh, he's been saying recently in his stump speech that he completed the wall. And I suspect that we'll hear that again, even though the wall was never finished. Uh, he says that, you know, they tried to add to it and so forth. But we'll hear about that. We'll hear about, I'm sure, trade policies. Uh, we'll hear about the war in Afghanistan, the withdrawal. These are typically the things that he hits on with regard to policy when we talk about uh, kind of his standard speech that, that he's been crafting lately. But look, this is going to be a room full of supporters here. And and when the president, the former president, gets in an environment like that, he's known to stray off off the copy here. You know, he'll he'll be looking left and right at the paddles, looking at the teleprompter. But then when he looks straight out there and he starts telling jokes, maybe drops an f bomb as he's also been doing in most of his speeches recently. Don't think that'll necessarily happen today. That's when the news tends to be made. Let's see what he says off the script, Nathan. And uh, in the lead up to this speech, of course, we were expecting that there was going to be a potential for upstaging by. Former Vice yeah. President Mike Pence, but I guess weather kept him from making his scheduled speech last night. Does that potentially 
change the dynamic for what we're expecting from former President Trump later today? Well, he certainly won't be able to react to what Mike Pence was going to say. And he's, you know, certainly doesn't have any qualms about mentioning Mike Pence in his speech. But I don't think Donald Trump was looking at this, you know, as the dueling speeches that 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 we were all kind of framing it to be in the media. He's living in his own universe here. But I have to admit, a lot of us were more curious to hear what Mike Pence was going to say, whether, in fact, he would try to, to, to go to greater lengths to separate himself from Donald Trump or the opposite. In a speech uh, just last week before an evangelical crowd in South Carolina, you know, Mike Pence said it was the honor of his career to serve in what he called the the most pro-life administration in American history. He's got issues with Donald Trump. He's 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 already talked about that publicly, but there are things that he has to say that that are actually not negative at all. In fact, that that he enjoyed working with Donald Trump on issues uh, like abortion. So it's going to be interesting to see how Mike Pence frames this and whether he's looking for a run himself. A Trump-Pence campaign, not on the same ticket but against each other, would be a heck of a race to watch, Nathan. Yeah, and it was going to add even more of a dynamic as we are expecting potentially a, a pretty wide open field when you think about Ron DeSantis as well, mm-hmm. potentially in the mix as well. Uh, well. We'll leave it there for now, uh, unfortunately, for time. Thanks, Joe. Always great having sure. you on with us. Joe Matthews, in fact, is going to be back on with us uh, later on in this program as well. And, of course, you can catch Joe. Oh, gosh, every weekday, 5 p.m. Wall Street time, Bloomberg Sound On uh, here on Bloomberg Radio. Our Washington correspondent, Joe Matthew, with us this morning. Looking ahead to the market open, ahead of the uh, start of the Fed's two-day policy meeting, futures are moving a touch lower with S&P futures now down 10 points, Dow futures down 124. NASDAQ futures are lower by 34 points. Ten-year Treasury up 530 seconds, the yield 2.77%. Just ahead, we have more on the Fed's July meeting as it gets underway. Walmart's sinking after cutting its forecast. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, partly sunny, less humid today, mid-80s for highs. We'll have a chance for afternoon showers and thunderstorms tomorrow and Thursday, both days near 90. Right now, 72 in Central Park. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, July 26, 2022. Coming up this hour. Former President Trump returns to D.C. as talks of another run for office heat up. The Fed prepares another rate hike as the central bank's policy meeting gets underway. Walmart shares sink after the company lowers its forecast. And candidates in the U.K. make their case to replace Boris Johnson. New York's MTA says it may take 13 years to match pre-COVID ridership, plus talk of Speaker Pelosi possibly heading to Taiwan has made China furious. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower in sports. The Mets and Yankees both in first place begin a two-game Subway Series tonight at City Field. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. 
And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. We are coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down nine points. Dow futures down 108, and NASDAQ futures down 38. The DAX in Germany is down three-tenths of a percent. And the 10-year Treasury up 5.30 seconds, yield 2.77 percent. The yield on the two-year, 3.01 percent. Nathan. Karen, we'll get back to the markets in a moment. But we begin this morning in the nation's capital. That's where former President Donald Trump is returning for the first time since he left office. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. Donald Trump will be back inside the Beltway as Republican rivals maneuver for a possible primary challenge and lawmakers probe his culpability for the January 6th insurrection. He'll deliver the keynote address at the America First Agenda Summit held by the conservative think tank, the America First Policy Institute, launched by some former Trump White House advisors. He's not expected to announce a run for the White House during today's speech, which will be his highest profile speech since leaving office. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. Well, let's stay in Washington, where the Federal Reserve's two-day meeting kicks off today. The central bank is set to raise rates again. That's despite GDP numbers due out Thursday, which could show the U.S. contracted in back-to-back quarters, signaling a recession. However, Moody's chief economist Mark Zandi tells us there are not recession signs at the moment. When you have a lot of jobs, you have low layoffs, you have a lot of consumer spending, income growth is strong. That's not consistent with a recession. This is not a recession. Moody's chief economist Mark Zandi says if the economy does contract, it's likely to be in the next six months. He spoke with our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the program weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. All right, let's get back to markets now, Karen, where U.S. futures are moving lower ahead of the Fed meeting. Lisa Erickson, senior vice president with U.S. Bank, says she's preaching caution. We are modestly cautious, advising our clients to move all other things being equal away from equities and more to quality fixed income, where, again, historically, they've been able to hold up in times of market volatility. Lisa Erickson with U.S. Bank thinks the U.S. will narrowly avoid a recession as inflation begins to recede. Well, turning to oil now, Nathan, crude is advancing for a second session. Signs of a tight market are offsetting concerns about an economic slowdown. And checking prices now, NYMEX crude oil is up 2.2%, up $2.07 at $98.79 a barrel. Brent is up 1.9% at $107.19. And we're also seeing volatility in overseas energy markets. Russia plans to curb natural gas flows on the Nord Stream pipeline, and that's jolting energy markets in Europe. Well, meantime in the U.K., Karen, candidates for prime minister faced off in another primetime debate last night. Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak are vying to replace Boris Johnson. And Bloomberg's Ewan Potts joins us live in London with more. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. Strong stuff from the final two candidates in the Conservative Party leadership race. In a TV debate, Foreign Secretary Liz Truss warned that tax rises would send the U.K. into a recession. Everybody thinks that putting up taxes at this moment is going to hurt the economy. You can't put up taxes and get growth. If we follow Rishi's plans, we we are headed for a recession. That was Foreign Secretary Liz Truss there. Meanwhile, former Chancellor Rishi Sunak claimed that his opponent's tax plans would push up inflation and mortgages. Your proposals would mean that we get the short-term sugar rush of unfunded borrowed tax cuts, but that would be followed by the crash of higher prices and higher mortgage rates. That was former Chancellor Rishi Sunak. Whoever wins the six-week-long contest will end up as the next British Prime Minister. But with a tax like these, it's easy to forget they're both members of the same political party. 
In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thank you. Well, back here in the U.S., corporate earnings are in focus today. Shares of Walmart are down 8.5% in early trading after the company lowered its forecast for the second quarter. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with the details. Renita, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Analysts say Walmart's warning gives more insight into the health of the U.S. consumer. That's likely to signal more pain ahead for retail stocks as they take on food and gas inflation. Morgan Stanley cut its price target for Walmart and says it's challenging the broker's view of the retail giant as a safe haven play. City analysts didn't think Walmart would be hit as much as others and say the news is a sign that marginally higher income consumers are starting to feel the pinch from inflation. But Piper Sandler says it's too early to take a more constructive view on Walmart, so analysts there are waiting on a more broad earnings reset industry-wide. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Now, Renita, thanks. Turning to earnings in Europe this morning, UBS reports weaker than expected profit for the second quarter. The global market sell-off kept wealthy clients on the sidelines as the Swiss bank saw outflows of $12 billion. Surging prices and slowing growth also hit UBS results. We spoke with the CEO, Ralph Hammers, about his outlook for inflation and how it's affecting businesses. In some businesses, there's still quite some tension in the labor markets. So that has not gone completely away yet. So it's a mix of inflation and, uh, and the labor market circumstances. If inflation continues to be here, of course, it will be reflected also in pay. UBS CEO Ralph Hammers called the second quarter one of the most challenging periods in the last 10 years. Right now, the shares are down more than 5.5%. Well, Unilever also out with earnings. Nathan, results are mostly in line with estimates. The company is raising prices to battle inflation. That's helping to offset surging costs. And shares are up 2.8% in London. Futures this morning are lower. S&P futures down 7 points this morning. Dow futures down 100. And NASDAQ futures down 30. Ten-year Treasury up 7.30 seconds. Yield 2.77%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. We begin in the nation's capital, where much of the focus will be today on former President Trump is returning for the first time since leaving office. And the Federal Reserve's two-day meetings kick off today. The central bank is set to raise rates as it looks to tamp down inflation. Well, U.S. futures are lower this morning, Karen, as markets get ready for the Fed's next move. Lisa Erickson, senior vice president with U.S. Bank, says she's preaching caution on stocks. We are more defensive right now. Again, while in the near term, we see some of that underlying fundamental strength that we came into the year as preventing the worst case scenarios. Lisa Erickson with U.S. Bank says the U.S. will narrowly avoid recession as inflation begins to recede. 
Well, turning to oil now, Nathan, crude is advancing for a second session. Signs of a tight market are offsetting concerns about an economic slowdown. And checking prices right now, NYMEX crude oil up 1.7 percent, up $1.63 at $98.30 a barrel. Brent is up 1.4 percent at $106.63. My corporate earnings are in focus as well, Karen. Shares of Walmart are down almost 9 percent this morning after the company lowered its forecast for the second quarter. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with details. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. Analysts Walmart's warning gives more insight into the health of the U.S. consumer. That's likely to signal more pain ahead for retail stocks as they take on food and gas inflation. Morgan Stanley cut its price target for Walmart and says it challenges the broker's view of the retail giant as a safe haven play. City analysts didn't think Walmart would be hit as hard as others and say the news is a sign that marginally higher income consumers are feeling the pinch from inflation. But Piper Sandler says it it's too early to take a more constructive view on Walmart, so analysts there are waiting on a more broad earnings reset industry-wide. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. Over in Europe, UBS reported weaker-than-expected profit for the second quarter. The global market sell-off kept wealthy clients on the sidelines as the Swiss bank saw outflows of $12 billion, and UBS shares are down more than 5.5%. And we get earnings from Microsoft today. Here's Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Bloomberg Intelligence notes that half of Microsoft's total sales come from outside the U.S. That makes the software giant more susceptible to foreign exchange movements, and the stronger dollar may have weighed on the company's bottom line. Sales of consumer PCs may have slowed, but BI expects to hear that overall sales increased 14%. Jeff Bellinger, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Jeff, thanks. 533 on Wall Street. We're at 72 degrees in Central Park. Got a down tree southbound run 23 near 35 in Westchester. And Michael Barr has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. Monkeypox cases in the U.S. continue to grow. There are almost 2,900 cases so far. Close to 840 cases are identified in New York City alone. Mayor Eric Adams. They're always coming up with new ways of solving uh, the problems that we face in monkeypox is a problem. The disease spreads primarily through skin-to-skin contact or direct contact with the virus. Officials say high-risk people are those who have been in contact with a known monkeypox patient, which right now mostly includes men who have had sex with men or have multiple partners. White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator Dr. Ashish Jha. It's really important that we do not use this moment to uh, propagate homophobic or transphobic uh, messaging. And, and I think it's really important that we stick to the science, stick to the evidence, and do it in a way that's respectful of people. The World Health Organization declared the ongoing monkeypox outbreak to be a global public health emergency. A senior MTA official says New York may not regain 100% of pre-pandemic ridership until about 2035. Ridership on New York City subways, buses, and commuter rail lines is now projected to reach 74 percent of 2019 levels in late 2024. President Biden made rare comments about his White House predecessor and his lack of action on the January 6th riot. The president remotely addressed black police officials. For three hours, the defeated former president of the United States watched it all happen as he sat in the comfort of the private dining room next to the Oval Office. While he was doing that, brave law enforcement officer subject to the medieval hell. President Biden telling the nation that Americans can't be pro-insurrection and pro-cop 
or pro-democracy. There is more fallout from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's possible visit to Taiwan next month. China has warned that any visit to the island nation that it considers part of China would be met with serious consequences. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Michael, thanks. 535 on Wall Street. John Stanshaw has a Bloomberg Sports Update. All right, Nathan. First Subway Series game of the season. Usually not this late and normally not with both teams in first place. The Mets and Yankees play tonight and tomorrow at City Field. Then twice next month in the Bronx. Tonight it's Jordan Montgomery against Taiwan Walker. Last night the Phillies down 3 nothing, came back, beat Atlanta 6-4. Bryson Stott game-winning three-run homer in the eighth inning to the Mets. Lead the Braves by two. The Yankees lead the Astros by two in the race for best overall record. Houston lost in Oakland. Much-needed win for the Red Sox. They had lost five in a row, had allowed 67 runs in those five. They beat Cleveland 3-1 to one at Fenway. The baseball trade deadline in one week. Both the Mets and Yankees believed to be in talks with Washington about acquiring Juan Soto. That would certainly be a blockbuster. Yankees GM Brian Cashman told the Yes Network he's always looking to make any move necessary. Every chess piece, every decision, every promotion or import, it's all designed to to improve your shot and your team's abilities and your manager's uh, maneuverability uh, and choices that he has to play with. The Yanks also said to be interested in Cincinnati pitcher Luis Castillo, Kansas City outfielder Andrew Benintendi. The concern with him... He's unvaccinated, so we can't play games in Toronto. The Cardinals play in Toronto tonight. St. Louis will be without its top two hitters, Paul Goldsmith, Nolan Arenado, both unvaxxed. The doors open at all 32 NFL training camps today. Jets and Giants both coming off seasons where they went 4-13. and 13. John Stash, Edward, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thank you. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Ed Corey. About 44% of available apartment units in Manhattan come from tenants priced out of apartments they leased in 2020 and 2021. Street Easy reports in the second quarter, about 14,000 Manhattan apartments became available because the former occupants were handed renewals with significant increases. New Jersey landscaping companies are being hit hard by rising costs and a labor shortage. The head of the New Jersey Landscaping Contractors Association tells the Herald companies cannot find people to work. The association says members have expressed concerns about high fuel costs as well. Sherry and Joel Mallon, two of the world's top art collectors, are selling a Pound Ridge, New York estate. It's been a showcase for their huge collection. The nearly 14-acre property, known as the Buckhorn Sculpture Park, contains eight structures. It's priced at $8.5 million. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potus, and on 1010 Wins in New York, we're talking about how changing jobs can really pay off come payday. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on KFAB in Omaha. Relief for shoppers. The USDA says food inflation will ease next year. I'm Stephen Carroll on DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been reporting on a Swiss mess as UBS sees outflows of $12 billion from its asset management. I'm Lisa Mateo, and on KMOX in St. Louis, I'll be reporting on a recall of hundreds of health and beauty products. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting General Motors report second quarter results before the market opens. 
And those are some of the stories our 2700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. President Joe Biden's administration has been discussing changes to U.S. tariffs on China for weeks. People familiar with the discussions say a decision will come soon and that the result will be tweaks to measures put in place by the Trump administration, not a comprehensive effort to roll back import restrictions. That would be Disappointing. Biden should start by completely dismantling Trump's Chinese tariffs and then go further. Trade liberalization would reduce inflation and by injecting fresh competition into U.S. markets, raise longer term productivity and living standards. One of the most disappointing aspects of Biden's presidency is that he has not decisively broken from his predecessors misguided protectionism. This error can't be fixed too soon. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures now down 11 points, Dow futures down 144, and NASDAQ futures are lower by 36 points. Ten-year Treasury is up 6.30 seconds. The yield 2.77%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 11.30 weather, sunny, less humid today, mid-80s for highs. We'll bring back chances for afternoon showers and storms tomorrow and Thursday. Both days near 90. Right now, 72 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow in U.S. Stock Index Futures are lower this morning with S&P Futures down 10 points, Dow Futures down 130, NASDAQ Futures down 33, and the DAX in Germany down a third of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 5.30 seconds, yield 2.77%. The yield on the two-year, 3.01%. NYMEX crude oil up 1.9% of $1.87 at $98.57 a barrel. COMEX gold little change at 17.36.20 an ounce. The euro, 1.0178 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2. 009 and the yen 136.62. Bitcoin's down 4.6% at $21,150. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. It will be the first time President Trump returns to Washington since leaving office today. The former president will deliver a policy speech before an allied think tank crafting a possible second Trump term. WNBA star Brittany Griner has returned to a Russian courtroom for her drawn-out trial on drug charges that could bring her 10 years in prison if convicted. The trial of the Phoenix Mercury standout began July 1st, but only four sessions have been held, some of them lasting only a few hours. In baseball, the Red Sox beat the Guardians 3-1. The Orioles down the Rays 5-1. The Nationals beat the Dodgers 4-1. The A's down the Astros 7-5. The Diamondbacks blank the Giants 7-zip. 
Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. We're coming up to 549 on Wall Street. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. Let's turn to earnings now and bank results out of Europe. UBS is out with numbers that missed estimates. Profit came in weaker than expected as the global market sell-off kept wealthy clients on the sidelines. The Swiss bank also saw outflows at its asset management business of $12 billion. Let's get more on these results and the path ahead now from the CEO of UBS. Ralph Hammers sat down this morning for an interview with Bloomberg's Manus Cranny. Let's hear some of that conversation now. You described this second quarter as muted. Where were the most pressure points or the deepest pressure points in a muted quarter? So, indeed, it was a, a, a quarter with different challenges. Uh, nevertheless, we continued to focus on executing our strategy, uh, making sure that we could grow the ecosystem for investing there, uh, where we saw flow, flows through in, uh, in, in private markets at 3.9 billion, uh, SMAs 4 billion as well, where we released two new uh, digital applications as well. Uh, on the other side, and that's where this, this remark comes from, we saw on one side private clients given all the uncertainties, sidelining their money and uh, waiting for things to clear up. Whereas on the institutional side, we saw a lot of activity, and that's what you see in our investment banking uh, results as well. So all of this uh, basically delivered a, a flat revenue line, reported uh, revenue line, a cost down by 1% versus mm-hmm. last year, and a profit before tax of $2.6 billion. I look at the transactions and the lending in the wealth management business, I would say that looks quite grim. Transactions down 17%, lending uh, down 12%. Do you think we're still in fear mode on the client side? So if you look at the uh, at the wealth management business, uh, you see a couple of elements here uh, impacting our revenues. So on one side, you see that just the level of the market generates less recurring uh, fees. Mm-hmm. The uh, sidelining, so the, the wait and see pattern of our clients basically gives pressure on the transaction revenues. Now, on the other side, because of the rate environment, we saw interest income increasing by 24%. And as a consequence of that, almost compensating for the pressure on the, on the fee side. Uh, so with that, still a, a, a good quarter. The underlying effects, though, is, is, is different. So on the, uh, in the net new free generating assets, uh, uh, we saw still money coming in, 400 million, uh, and you saw actually a very That's diverse very, picture. Very, very small. Where, where did that small? money come from? It's small and it's a very diverse picture. So we see outflows in the U.S. generally driven, uh, by tax payments, mm-hmm. uh, which were higher than, uh, than we expected. But we saw actually 3.3 billion coming in in Asia Pacific, where we actually now see after three quarters of lower transaction revenues, you see that clients are turning to mandates and they're really turning out to us to get their advice on what investments to do. And that's where the 3.3 billion inflow on Asia Pacific comes in. But on the Asia, and the last time we caught up, you said, Manus, it's deleveraging. Again, this is a fourth quarter in a row of deleveraging in Asia. Any sign of that bottoming out? Um, at this moment, no. I don't see it bottoming out. Um, uh, so we, we, we just report uh, what we see. Uh, mm-hmm. we, uh, depending on the level of the market, we see there is more appetite or less appetite. Um, I don't expect too much for the deleveraging, um, but it really depends on where markets are going. On the other side, we see in the U.S., uh, leverage is still going up. We were successful in the mortgage business. 
were successful in the security-based lending business as well, supporting there. So overall, we still saw almost one billion of net new loans in uh, in the wealth business. Since you've sat into the chair as CEO, the headwinds in Asia and China just keep smacking you. Are you still full bull on China and Asia as a strategy? Well, you can't you 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 can't turn away from Asia if you just look at the underlying trends there and uh, and at the future. So the demographics speak for Asia. The demographics speak for China. Um, clearly, there is a couple of unclarities there, and I do expect that towards the end of the third quarter and in the fourth quarter that more optimism and positivism may come back. And that was UBS CEO Ralph Hammer speaking with Bloomberg's Manus Cranny about the Swiss bank's latest earnings that came in far short of estimates. Right now, shares of UBS are down 6%. Karen. Nathan, it is 5.53 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Law Report, brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. Now let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Federal judge in Philadelphia says Walmart's firing of an employee with fibromyalgia and depression may have been discrimination, even though Walmart says she was fired for stealing. The Michigan Supreme Court ruled that fingerprinting someone without a warrant or probable cause is unconstitutional. The decision came in the case of two black men who were stopped by police but never charged with any crime. A bill signed into law by New York's governor makes diapers exempt from the state sales tax. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thank you. Now another legal story we're watching takes us to the Supreme Court. Since August, justices have issued more emergency orders than opinions on issues affecting millions of Americans, from abortion to voting rights. These orders on the so-called shadow docket are short and unsigned, issued without a full briefing or arguments and without explanation. Several justices have expressed misgivings about the practice, but the three most conservative justices have signaled that they want to use the shadow docket even more aggressively. For more on the matter, Bloomberg's Jim Grosso speaks to constitutional law expert Stephen Vladek, a professor at the University of Texas Law School. Steve, why are we hearing so much about the shadow docket lately? Well, I mean, I think part of it is that the court is doing more and more significant stuff on the shadow docket. I think more of it is that, you know, folks are paying attention to it to a greater degree than ever before. And the court, for all the headlines and drama surrounding the most recent term, is actually deciding fewer cases on the merits docket than at any point since the Civil War. So, you know, when you have a flurry of significant rulings coming down through these unsigned, often unexplained orders, it's no surprise that folks are paying a lot more attention to that part of the Supreme Court's work. The court's liberal justices, Stephen Breyer, Sonia Sotomayor, and Elena Kagan, dissented the most in emergency orders that were granted, but conservative justices Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, and Neil Gorsuch did so the most when the court refused to act on an appeal. So what does that tell you? One of the many interesting things about the shadow doctors, I think there's, in some respects, more interesting data about the justices' voting patterns than there is on the merits docket. So there was this remarkable moment last October. There was a case out of Maine, and there was like a one-paragraph concurring opinion by Justice Barrett, joined by Justice Kavanaugh, 
that basically said just because we're sympathetic to your claims on the merits doesn't mean we're automatically going to vote to grant emergency relief. You know, we're going to exercise some modicum of discretion in deciding when emergency relief is and isn't warranted. Basically, Barrett and Kavanaugh laying down a marker that they were going to not vote to grant emergency relief as often as they had, say, as recently as the previous term. And, June, we've seen that play out. I mean, we've seen a number of cases since October where the only public dissenters from a denial of relief were Thomas Alito and Gorsuch. And so the assumption is that Barrett and Kavanaugh did not join them. Some of these have been vaccine mandate cases. And so I do think that, you know, one of the things we're seeing on the shadow docket is that Thomas Alito and Gorsuch would go even further than the other conservative justices, at least Barrett and Kavanaugh, are willing to go. And the fact that Thomas Alito and Gorsuch would grant emergency relief even more often, I think, is, you know, a sign of how close we are to this being even more of a problem than it already is. And that's Stephen Vladek, a professor at the University of Texas Law School, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview, plus analysis of the latest legal news, by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BlawGo. Again, futures are moving lower this morning. NYMEX crude oil higher. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.